0: George Rodriguez.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Welcome to the show, my friends, on this beautiful Saturday, uh, January 25th, 2020. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the saying that, 2020. Um, At any rate, got a good program for you, my friends. Welcome to the show. Uh, Call your friends. Tell them to join in. Uh, Tune in. Uh, we've got um, we've got a very we're we're gonna we I mean everything is uh, on on the TV and on the in the news the past uh, week of course has been about uh, the impeachment and uh, I uh, I want you to know what is happening behind the scenes what's happening in your backyard my friends in many cases because um, the uh, issue of sanctuary cities of criminal aliens uh, of the cartels uh, it, it it's it, it continues my friends. And in some cases, it's getting worse because of the politicians uh, in your backyard. Uh, they, it, there, there seems to be an absolute effort to decriminalize everything. I mean, really decriminalize everything from marijuana uh, to illegal immigration. I mean, you heard uh, uh, several times during the debates, uh, Julian Castro and others uh, presidential candidates, uh, Democrat presidential candidates, make the comment that... Um, they wanted to decriminalize illegal immigration—that an illegal alien could cross the border and they, and it wouldn't be a crime. It's you know incredible. It is just amazing that these people think this way, and uh, that uh, we have mayors, uh, not to mention some police chiefs even, and who who can, who think that manner, uh, and it is causing a problem. It is causing an absolute problem. Uh, as far as our guests go, let me tell you who we've got. Um, we've got Todd Benson. Benzman, rather, uh, from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is, uh, is going to give us a report about what's happening at the Mexico-Guatemala border. Mexico has k- stepped up, kind of, but has stepped up and has stopped uh, several uh, caravans this past week. Uh, there has been some, some uh, rioting. There's been some confrontation with the Mexican police. But they've stepped up and they've stopped those caravans. We also have um, a very special guest uh, a lady that I met this past week, Miss Jacqueline Lewis, who lives on the border, and she's going to tell us about the fear that she lives with on a daily basis, my my friends, regarding illegal aliens crossing uh, her property and um, just being in her community. Uh, I was there in Kenny, Kenny County, rather in Kenny County, uh, which is Brackettville, right on the border uh with uh with Mexico. Brackettville is a little bit inside in, in the interior, but Kenny County is right on the border. And uh visited with her and several other folks regarding the whole uh situation that they face on a daily basis, my friends, on a daily basis. Um, then we've also got Mr. Derek Maltz uh who is a former DE agent. And this interview that I, that you're gonna hear is an interview that's a couple of months old. I did uh, this interview with him uh, back in, uh, in September uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, he uh, outlined the cartel problems with human trafficking and drug trafficking, which are very much, very much coming to fruition. I mean, we are seeing it happen. I mean, he was, uh, he was right on the mark. And uh, so Derek uh, is going to chat with us about that whole situation. Um, but uh, prior to this, I wanted to, to get some, give you some uh, updates about the uh, situation that's happening with uh, the sanctuary communities, my friends. Uh, we've got we've got some some mayors that are really really out of control. We've got one in New York that's really really insane, uh, and then we've got Joe Biden, <laughs> another one who's insane. But um, the, the Mayor de Blasio in New York uh, has uh, completely forbidden uh, the ICE agents to, uh, or the police department, the New York Police Department, to uh, cooperate with the ICE agents. And um, they have literally released some criminals. And there was one situation where a woman was attacked. So uh, let me, uh, let, let's, let's listen to a couple of, of outtakes from the uh, Fox News uh, regarding this situation, and uh, then uh, we'll go on to our first um, first uh, uh, guest, Mr. Todd Bensman. But I really want you to hear and carefully absorb what is happening in New York and what, how the ICE agents, the law enforcement folks, are being blamed. There was a police officer in Baltimore that was beaten up. And spat upon by uh, by a, a a crowd when he tried to make an arrest. This is the under, uh, th- this is undermining our law and order, my friends. It's undermining our local law and order, and it's definitely undermining our, our, our federal efforts to control immigration in the United States. So let's go to our uh, uh, to our Fox clips.
2: New York City Sanctuary City Policy after an illegal immigrant is arrested in the murder of that 92 year old woman. ICE officials have now released a list of fugitive illegal immigrants freed under the city's sanctuary policies. Joining us now to react is former ICE Special Agent Jim Hayes. Thanks for being with us, Jim. Hey, good morning. So I'm looking at these numbers. This is amazing. According to ICE, ICE detainer requests in New York City just last year alone, more than 7,500 detainer requests. Only 10 of those were answered. And almost 18,000 of those individuals had criminal convictions. Things like robberies, sexual offenses, uh, weapons offenses, assaults, homicides. Why do you think that ICE is releasing this list now?
3: Well, I think the administration is smart to do this, to take the case to the American people, because they're hearing just talking points from these cities that say, hey, we're making you safer. And they're not. And the results speak for themselves. And so what they're saying is, look, here are the people who have been released. Here's what they've done subsequent to release. You can decide. And then And obviously change has to come at the ballot box.
2: Okay, so Bill de Blasio says the day our police ask for immigration status is the day people stop reporting crimes. That's why he says that they're not going to honor these these requests.
3: So I think there's a, a lot wrong with that statement. Number one, ICE is not targeting victims or witnesses. I was the agent in charge of the New York office for six years. I authorized temporary legal status here for hundreds of people during that time who were victims or witnesses at the request of the NYPD, other federal agencies. So that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is ICE is trying to identify people who have either broken a law to either remain or enter the United States. And this has been – it's stunning that this is controversial. This has been a priority for administrations, both Democrat and Republican, for decades. So it's really an interesting fight to pick, and I don't think it's a winner.
2: What are your agent friends saying, the ones that are still working with ICE here in New York City?
3: Well, obviously New York is the latest, right? But we've seen this throughout the country. We've right. seen a number of other jurisdictions if you look at the ice website there's dozens of examples of individuals that they've tried to arrest cities have said we're not going to cooperate and really at the heart of this because when he mentions counterterrorism the the whole purpose of the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, one of them, one of the main ones, was to foster cooperation, information sharing amongst law enforcement agencies that to, to fix that environment that allowed those attacks to occur. What these cities and states are really doing, they're rebuilding those roadblocks that led to those terrorist attacks.
2: All right. Thank you so much for being with us, and thanks for your service.
3: Thank you very much. You're welcome.
2: New York City sanctuary city policy after an illegal immigrant is arrested in the murder of that 92-year-old woman. ICE officials have now released a list of fugitive illegal immigrants freed under the city's sanctuary policies. Joining us now to react is former ICE special agent Jim Hayes. Thanks for being with us, Jim. Hey, good morning. So I'm looking at these numbers. This is amazing. According to ICE, ICE detainer requests in New York City just last year alone, more than 7,500 detainer requests. Only 10 of those were answered and almost 18,000 of those individuals had criminal convictions, things like robberies, sexual offenses, uh, weapons offenses, assaults, homicides. Why do you think that ICE is releasing this list now?
3: Well, I think the administration's smart to do this, to take the case to the American people, because they're hearing just talking points from these cities that say, hey, we're making you safer, and they're not, and the results speak for themselves. And so what they're saying is, look, here are the people who've been released. Here's what they've done subsequent to release. You can decide, and And then, obviously, change has to come at the ballot box.
2: Okay, so Bill de Blasio says the day our police ask for immigration status is the day people stop reporting crimes. That's why he says that they're not going to honor these these requests.
3: So I think there's a, a lot wrong with that statement. Number one, ICE is not targeting victims or witnesses. I was the agent in charge of the New York office for six years. I authorized temporary legal status here for hundreds of people during that time who were victims or witnesses at the request of the NYPD, other federal agencies. So that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is ICE is trying to identify people who have either broken a law to either remain or enter the United States. And this has been – it's stunning that this is controversial. This has been a priority for administrations, both Democrat and Republican, for decades. So it's really an interesting fight to pick, and I don't think it's a winner.
2: What are your agent friends saying, the ones that are still working with ICE here in New York City?
3: Well, obviously New York is the latest, right? But we've seen this throughout the country. We've right. seen a, a number of other jurisdictions. If you look at the ICE website, there's dozens of examples of individuals that they've tried to arrest. Cities have said we're not going to cooperate. And really at the heart of this, because when he mentions counterterrorism, the the whole purpose of the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, one of them, one of the main ones, was to foster cooperation, information sharing amongst law enforcement agencies, that to, to fix that environment that allowed those attacks to occur. What these cities and states are really doing, they're rebuilding those roadblocks that led to those terrorist attacks.
2: All right. Thank you so much for being with us, and thanks for your service. Thank you very much. You're welcome.
1: And so, therefore, my friends, that was our. Uh, that were, those were clips from Fox News this week with Tom Holman and uh, Jim Hayes, both of them former ICE uh, uh, agents. And uh, it, it is, I mean, this situation with sanctuary cities is dangerous. It is dangerous for the citizens, and the citizens, the the the, the it, the answer is very simple. You've got to unelect. You've got to go to the polls locally and get rid of your, your mayors, your, your liberal mayors, your liberal city council, your liberal county officials. That's who you've got to get rid of, my friends. It's very, very simple. You've got to go, This is a local issue that has to be addressed locally. So, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, my friends. We'll be right back with our first guest, Mr. Todd Benzman, followed by uh, Ms. Jacqueline Lewis and then uh, Derek Maltz. So uh, stick around, call your friends, tell them to join us.
0: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got a very special guest with us, uh, a lady that I met um, just the other day. Uh, Miss Jacqueline Lewis and uh, Jacqueline uh, lives uh, in Kenny County, Texas, which is on the Texas on the Texas Mexican border. And uh, she's put together a group of folks and uh, I wanted her to uh, get come on the show to chat with us and tell us about um, the uh, uh, the program to introduce herself to us and tell us about what they're up to, what they are seeing on the border. Jackie, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, George. Um, My name is Jacqueline Lewis, and I am a a mother of two teenage daughters, and I live on the border of Mexico, about two hours west of San Antonio. Um, About four months ago, I I was feeling more and more scared and just angry in general about the border crisis, but I feel like Americans are are being misled and they're being deceived about – you know, through the through the media stories, they're being deceived about you know the border patrol agents and and the way the border patrol agents are being villainized and made out to to look like evil people. And and those those people are are my my friends. My my kids go to school with their children, and um, they're really good good people. And uh, so, just kind of out of Frustration and feeling helpless, I decided, you know, do do what you can with what you have, with where you are, and so I decided to start, start a Facebook group called Borders, Boundaries, and Balance, and um, that is just to give Americans a chance to hear our local stories and um, experiences that are that are being ignored, no, and I, I believe that you know, people are forming opinions about the border based on kids in cages and separated families. And I just, I believe in the power of Facebook. And I think that if people have a chance to see the other true stories, I believe that, um, you know, we just, I'm trying to bring people
1: together. Yeah. Let let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because we reported how last week, we reported on the show last week uh, there was a group of Democrats uh, from the House from the, a group of Congressmen from the House that uh, visited the uh, border and they went across the border they went across the border to visit the tent cities of the uh, of the of the migrants that are across the river. Did any of them visit with you uh, on this side of the river, the citizens with Americans? Did they, any of them visit with you guys?
4: No, not, uh, not that I have heard at all,
1: no. And, that, and, that's, and and
4: my focus really is just on this side of the border and the Americans, because I feel like all the attention is on the illegal immigrants and their situation, but I don't think people are stopping to realize that Americans are living on the border and trying to raise their families and you know, live their lives.
1: Well, what are, what are the, some of the, the dangers that you've seen? What are some of the problems that you've seen? Uh, as a as a resident of the border,
4: well, um, you know, I've lived on the border since 1996, and I, I really have not been scared or, or even paying that much attention. I just, you know, it's just something we live with, and um, you know, we're used to living to leaving. You know, or any on the landowners, I think everybody does this, but you know, you just leave your your cabins and your hunting lodges and your houses, you leave them unlocked. And, you know, we put bottled water, you know, out on the porches to try to keep people from coming inside. But, you know, if you don't, if you try to lock things up, they're just going to break the windows and, you know, go in and tear things up. So that's that's our normal. And um, at this point, as, as of March of this last year, what happened Upset me enough to, you know, to really start trying to educate myself and and learn is that um, our our accountant's husband went home after work and could see that there were people in his kitchen and they ended up being Hondurans that had gone broken into his house, gone into his, bat, his bedroom closet to get his luggage to take to the kitchen to fill with food to steal it. And um, his daughter got on Facebook, and she was upset, and you know she had a reason to be upset. And that—that that, the first time I thought, okay, things are different, and I've got to make some changes, you know, with my own house and my own children, and you know, I've got to start carrying a gun more. I've got to make sure that the that the doors are locked. I've got to, you know, my—I'm not comfortable with my teenage daughters with handguns. Um, that's something we're. We're practicing on, but, you know, we have a shotgun, and I put a wasp spray by the doors just so they could grab something if they had to. We've got baseball bats. I mean, (laughs) it's just a totally different way of living and, um, you know, trying not to live in fear where you can't do anything but just, you know, watching out for yourself. I've I've been stopped by two uh, state troopers in the last six months, And, you know, you're supposed to tell them, I have a a gun in the car, I have my CHL. And both of them have said, ma'am, I am so glad to hear that. You you need one right now. And so um, it's just, it's a helpless, scary time. And I just feel like the Facebook, it gives me a way to share what I'm learning. I'm doing a lot of reading on my own, uh, listening to podcasts following
1: the news following you know all different Jacqueline sources. Jacqueline and, let, know, I'm interested in how they're portraying everything Yeah Jacqueline let me ask you this because you're you're raising a very very good question the betrayal is almost always of the uh of the illegal alien the poor illegal aliens being victimized uh I mean it it, it there there's an endless uh, news media uh reporting about how they're suffering and everything else do you feel that you and other women in uh, you know other housewives other mothers other career women uh, in your community are are living in fear
4: yes I mean the, the ones that are paying attention to it yes and and I, I feel like when I'm watching the news I'm in there it's all about the women and children I'm thinking what about me and my kids or me and my my kids friends you know this is I don't think that that is fair. The other thing I don't think that they're paying attention or putting any light on is how these people, how the cartels treat the women and children, you know, that are paying thousands of dollars to be smuggled into the country and basically just dropped off depending on how much they pay, whether they're being smuggled further into the country or just to get them across the river. But, you know, people are drowning. Little infants are it's just—it's so much worse than what is on the news as far as women being raped, or let me, children let me, being kidnapped, to
1: yeah, be, l- you know, used as as um, l- these fake family units for so that they can claim asylum. Let me let me ask you this here in the closing uh, part of our of our show. Uh, what do you think needs to happen, and how can people read more about you? Uh,
4: I think that regular people need to educate themselves on politics in general and that's the, the point of my group it's called borders boundaries and balance and i'm just trying to put on stuff that that i'm reading i mean things that i i didn't know as of the last six months but i'm certain, you know all of a sudden i'm very interested so i'm just trying to put it on there for for working mothers and working people that don't have time to do the research that are interested and want to learn a little bit about a lot of this stuff. That even if you don't live on the border, it's such a bigger issue than that because it is a it's an organized invasion by the progressive organizations to bring in these mass migrations from third world countries to first world countries to basically destroy our country and take our freedoms away. And I, you know, I, I feel like we we've got to band together and realize that we've got to quit fighting with each other and and realize where our true enemies are. Yep. And I just I don't want to you know, I don't wanna look at my kids in thirty years and say, I knew this was happening and I just sat there and did nothing. So this is just a way for me to hopefully encourage you know, other people to speak up and change. You know, you've got to, we've all got two senators and a representative all over the country, and, you know, you've got to interact with them and tell them, you don't want this. And the Congress, Congress can change these laws, the problems in the laws, they can fix this within minutes. And And the law will help. It will help the Border Patrol do their job. But we've also got to get the laws fixed. Mm-hmm.
1: So you don't see the border patrol as a problem; you see them as a solution for you, right?
4: We we love the border patrol. I mean, we we've got the Rio Grande River with no wall, and the only people that are trying to protect us are the border patrol agents, and they're they're wonderful people. their Their lives, I mean, border patrol agents are going home and stripping down from their out of their uniforms taking showers because they don't want the germs and diseases going to their wives and their children. And their wives are going in with gloves on to do the laundry. I mean, this, the, the Border Patrol you know, are totally being ignored.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Jacqueline, I really want, want to get you back on the show again because you've got a lot of stories to tell. And we, we want the people to hear what it's like for, you know, uh, women, uh, for families that live on the border that is not protected. I mean, it's, you know, that the best line of defense is our, is our Border Patrol, but we need a little bit more than that, right? Yes, we,
4: we do. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just need, um, you know, a right to be signed on, on this this side of the border. Mm-hmm. And, and what the Americans are are going through that that the, the media is focusing all of their attention
1: on the treatment of the the illegal immigrants, and um, we we don't have a voice. Gotcha. All righty. Let's uh, once again, my friends. We've been talking with uh, Miss Jacqueline Lewis, uh, a resident of uh, Kennedy of Kenny County uh, in Texas on the border, and uh, she's been sharing with us uh, some of the things that are happening and her efforts to uh, bring attention to them. Uh, as a citizen, thank you for being with us, Jackie. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, a conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of San Antonio, or South Texas, should I say. And we've got uh, our very good friend, Mr. Todd Benson with the Center for Immigration Studies, and uh, I reached out to Todd because Todd has just re- returned from the Mexico-Guatemalan border down on south, uh, the southern border of Mexico. And uh, he was down there watching what was going on with the uh, caravans and uh, the Central American immigrants that are, I-, I would say, testing the will of Mexico in trying to cross and get to the United States again. So, uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Tell us what you saw. Tell us what you found.
5: Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I always like being on your uh, show. The purpose of my visit down there, I was there for 10 days in Chiapas, southern uh, Mexico, the farthest south you can go, to take a look at how President Trump's immigration crackdown in policy was actually playing out and uh to kind of assess it and the mexicans response uh to the migration how they're slowing it down because you know we've got we're logging like 70 and 80 percent declines in apprehensions at our border from migration through their border so i kind of call it america's other southern border down there very important american interest uh to us so that's the reason i went down there and what I found was a uh, fairly robust and complex wall of bureaucracy, for, be- for lack of a better word, that, were- that the Mexicans built to take on migrants coming across their border. And what I mean by that is uh, before Trump uh, demanded that the-, the Mexicans take action on its border— uh, people would come over there, and the Mexicans would give them these permisos, uh, humanitarian visas that would allow them to just transit through the country. And those are the people that were showing up at our border, almost a million of them. Now they've taken away those humanitarian visas and permisos. Nobody gets those, and you have to stay in place in the Tapachula area and uh, three other districts along the border there. If you don't apply for a Mexican asylum, then you'll be deported. If you don't have one of those permisos after a certain number of days and uh, troops find you or a police officer finds you, you'll be deported back to Honduras or El Salvador, or in some cases, even India or uh, Africa. So the, the incentive there is to make them apply for asylum in Mexico and stay there for months on end because it's Mexican bureaucracy. So these um, asylum applications take five, six months to process. Uh, so they're stuck in Tapachula or you know down there south. They can't move forward. Why can't they move forward? Because the deployment of 6,000 National Guard troops all over the road systems. They're interlocking, uh, reinforcing each other roadblocks. And if you try to catch a bus or a truck or get in the trunk of somebody's car, sooner or later, one of those roadblocks is going to screen you out and pull you out and guess what, return you back to Tepechua and probably deportation. So they really are stuck and Most of the, um, a lot of the, not most, but a lot of the migrants I interviewed uh, said that they regarded that they were in a concentration camp down there, albeit with the back end wide open. There's an exit, you know, so they can leave anytime they want backwards, back home. Yeah. Uh,
1: We have seen also situations where, um, or scenes uh, in the news Regarding uh, violence, where people have uh, tried to rush the border and where they have uh, uh, gotten into confrontations into physical uh, uh, confrontations with the police, have, did you uh, see or hear anything about that?
5: Well, I know about it because um, the, what you're what you're speaking about are would be the initial reactions to this new Mexican defense. This barrier, this bureaucratic barrier uh, enforced by the National Guard roadblocks uh, that people expected. Their, their expectation was that they uh, could just go straight to the American border, and now they were bottled up. And the frustration would boil over, and they would fight with the Mexicans uh, to create pressure on the Mexicans to just say, OK, OK, we give. Go go ahead. We'll let you go. Um But so far, the Mexicans have resisted doing that. A lot of Africans uh, were doing that in and around the detention, the main detention center in Tapachula. Those people have all been removed uh, from the area. They're not allowed to congregate there anymore. Um, It's all fairly orderly. Uh, There was a clash on Saturday on the International Bridge between Hidalgo, which is south of Tapachula, and Tecunaman on the Guatemalan side. Because a brand-new caravan showed up, and they had not heard. I talked to dozens of those migrants on the Guatemalan side and asked them what they expected to happen. They said, well, we're just going to go right on into Mexico and head straight for the U.S. border. I had about 12 or 15 of them surrounding me. As I was asking one of them, they all came around out of curiosity. So I just turned the interview into a 15-person interview. Uh, I asked them, well, what do you think is going to happen? And they were like, yeah, we're just going to go in and, you know, we're going to go straight to the border like everybody has before me. I said, well, haven't you heard about the roadblocks and the uh, Mexican asylum requirement and, you know, checking in twice a week and going through all their bureaucracy? And they're like, what? Uh, they were truly uh, silenced in disbelief at what I was telling them. They had no comprehension. Nobody had told them. In fact, if anything, I think they were fed deliberately di- disinformation uh, in order to get them to go
1: there. Now, now let me let me stop you right there because it's very very interesting. I mean, wh- where would they be getting information? It would seem like the the newscasts, at least from Telemundo and, and Univision, would transfer over to Mexican news and other Latin American news and would uh, be informing these people, uh, or at least they would be hearing about it. I'm kind of surprised myself.
5: I was I was genuinely surprised that, that people don't know what's happening in Mexico with the Mexican responses, what I just described to you, but... I think I really think that that there maybe some people don't have televisions, or uh, the people that that uh, would would join a caravan at this point would be people who are not that educated, or who are just getting word of mouth information from other people that don't really have good information on social media. Uh, my what I, you know, I, I asked everybody I met, I said, how did you hear about this caravan? Who's the leader? Who, who's in charge of this thing? That You've been traveling with these people for days. Who, like, Show me who's in charge here. And nobody knew. It was like a, a headless herd of people that were kind of moving, if you were to, to judge it. But what they did tell me is that it all began on social media. The announcement was made. A caravan was forming, we're going to go to the United States, and uh, the media picked up on it, the local media picked up on it, said when the meeting was, when they were going to congregate, and which day they were going to leave.
1: See, but, but it, 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 would, it would seem like at that point, it would seem like at that point, you know, uh, people would be told the truth that uh, this is this is not going to be a cakewalk anymore, that you're just not going to get automatically uh, catch and release. Uh, I'm just kind of yeah, fascinated George, by it.
5: I was the first person who was telling them, all those dozen people around me, I was the first time that they had heard of any of this. Yeah. Well, Unbelievable. Uh, and I'll tell you something else. Uh, a few days earlier, I was in the same town, Takuna Mon, at the Catholic church shelter there, uh, to see, these are, uh, they, they shelter migrants who are about to go over into Mexico, across the Rio Suchiati And I found a Guatemalan there on the outside of the gate and he had just been deported and he was shocked that he had been deported because you know, he told me, I, I just had no idea. I said well, you know, when before you left your town, your village in Guatemala, did you not know that they were stiffening up the defenses and that they were doing deportations? And he said, no, I didn't know. I came here because I thought I was going to be, get a free pass right to the United
1: States like, like everybody gets. Yeah. Let me ask you this uh, in, the, in the closing minutes here. We've, we've just got a little bit more um, time left. Let me ask you, so in your opinion, are the Trump policies – working? Because obviously Congress hasn't done anything to help. Uh, Are the Trump policies helping?
5: I directly credit and attribute the 80% decline in the uh, migration to Donald Trump's policies. He he did it. He found the working combination, but just the right cocktail of bilateral, uh, binational uh, diplomatic pressure and uh, internal policy at the U.S. border that just worked like a, like a drug on this thing. He deserves credit. He did this. There's just no doubt about it. The migrants themselves believe he did it. And as a matter of fact, I was told over and over again that uh, migrants who were planning to stay in Mexico... And do the asylum? Because it's not like anybody came for the great Mexican dream. (laughs) Uh, And I would ask him that, too, joke, and i say, so you're you're staying in Mexico to live forever because this was the... You always had the great... You wanted to achieve the great Mexican dream? They're like, no, we're just here until the November 2020 election. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, we think Trump is going to win. It's going to lose. And if he loses, then the Democrats will make it easy for us.
1: Amazing, amazing.
5: That's why they're staying. I wrote a story about that, George, just at CIS.org about just that. It was amazing. I haven't seen anybody report that attitude on the ground.
1: And I doubt that they will. the 2020 election. Yeah, I doubt that they will. Uh, Tell the folks here at the... uh, uh, We've got to to close out, but tell the folks where they can read more about you and how they can follow you.
5: Uh, Yeah, go to uh that's the best place uh if you go to cis.org that's my employer center for immigration studies and they've got a bunch of my stuff there too uh the video we just put a a, released a video report my first one from the trip it's on uh cis.org up top you'll see it you can't miss it it's a 10 minute video about uh what we just talked about and there's more coming lots
1: more coming yeah we got to get you back on and, and chat some more thank you very much our good friend todd bensman with the center for immigration studies uh chatting with us uh, thank you very much for being with us to have a talk george rodriguez el conservador on klup 9:30 a.m radio the answer
0: El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his Internet website, ElConservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: George Rodriguez at Concerrado talking to you from San Antonio, from Washington, D.C., excuse me, still at the FAIR conference. And uh, I've got a special guest here, Mr. Derek Maltz, who uh, is a former uh, DEA agent. And I wanted to to chat with him regarding uh, the issue of border security and the cartels and uh, everything that's going on with regards to uh, the uh, tons of meth and drugs that are coming across. Uh, Derek, welcome to the show. Tell us. What uh, what do you see as far as that goes uh, in, in the the border security issue?
6: Well, first of all, I love San Antonio, so thank you for asking me to speak to you. And uh, I was just down at the Riverwalk not too long ago, and you guys have a beautiful city. But So basically, you have a situation where we have a national health and national security emergency at the border, despite what the politicians are saying, because we have really, really violent, nasty, ruthless people that are coming into the country illegally, and they're coming to our cities all around the country, and they're establishing themselves, working with the cartels, not just with drug trafficking, but with human smuggling, with alien, with uh, counterfeiting, with all kinds of frauds, all kinds of gun trafficking, whatever they have to do to make money for the cartels, this multi-billion dollar enterprise. The problem is, is a lot of times the monies uh, that they're generating are helping terrorist organizations like Hezbollah or other radical organizations that want to destroy our country. So we have this unbelievable convergence of crime as our Beltway people are still pontificating and listening to themselves talk and not making decisions and it's getting worse. More importantly, George, 32,000 Americans died in 2018 from fentanyl. The fentanyl that's coming into this country today is like a weapon of mass destruction in the sense of it's made in China in a lot of, ca- in a lot of cases, and one kilogram of fentanyl can kill 500,000 Americans. So it only takes two milligrams to kill. And the problem is, is the cartels can buy this fentanyl in China for $5,000 and make two million dollars from one kilogram. So we have a very disturbing uh, alliance between Chinese organized crime and the Mexican now, as you know very well, it's not just the fentanyl issue. Methamphetamine is probably the biggest problem in the country, and it's all over America, like levels we've never seen. To give you an example, right? People are just focused in on fentanyl and opioids now because that's what they hear in the news. But most Americans are impacted by meth. And why is that? Because the cartel, specifically Chapa Guzman, Sinaloa cartel, back in, you know, several years ago when the U.S. government was doing a good job of keeping precursors out of the precursors to make meth out of our country, they were going to China and getting... Loads and massive multi-ton amounts from China and other Asian countries and making the meth in Mexico. And now the meth that they're making is not just a couple pounds. I had buddies, law enforcement buddies down in Mexico not too long ago, and they went and saw a lab that was actually producing seven tons of meth in three days. I have buddies in Mexico that send me footage of some of these meth labs. They're not like mom-and-pop labs that you see in Kansas City in the old days. These are industrial labs that are producing tons of this poison that is destroying not just people, but families and communities. So it's not just that. And by the way... What people are not paying attention to is the fact that the cocaine now that's being produced in South America is not just coming into America, but it's flooding streets of communities all over the world. And why is that? Because they can make a lot more money selling stuff in New Zealand or Australia or in Europe. Like, I'll give you an example. In New Zealand, one gram of cocaine could go for $375. That's $375,000 a kilogram. Right, If you sell that same kilogram in America, it's like 25, 20, whatever it is today, 30,000, that's much more profit to sell the drugs over in that market, just like Australia. But here's the thing. People say, well, what's the big deal? Well, what's the big deal is Lebanese Hezbollah is involved with a lot of the money laundering. We had the case uh, that was very well publicized in the news, Project Cassandra, where the main guy that we indicted was moving the proceeds for the Los Zetis cartel, 85,000 kilograms of the proceeds. And this guy was indicted for moving $200 million a month. Back to Lebanon to help support Hezbollah So yeah, so we have a very, very serious issue And so we need the synchronization of effort We need all our best and brightest to come together And do the right thing for the American public And stop worrying about themselves or their egos or any one agency Because it's really about America It's not about any agency or any individual anymore, right? So that's where we have to get to We have to get the leaders that come in and establish that from the start that I don't really care what you did or what he did or she did. It's about what we all did to stop this, uh, this, this chaos in our country.
1: I have heard uh, from some folks that one of the things that needs to happen is that the cartels should be declared uh, terrorist organizations. What do you think?
6: Well, I was one of the biggest advocates of that, and I just testified in Ohio not too long ago about this issue with Sarah Carter from Fox News. And what happened was the House uh, people in... uh, The committee out in Ohio voted 95 to 1 in favor of the resolution to get the federal government to wake up and to support the designation. So I think a lot of people are misunderstanding what that means. What it really means is that if you designate the cart certain cartels like Sinaloa and uh, you know like the Jalisco cartel and El Menchos guys, you will then put the focus of the best and brightest and the authorities and the laws and the capabilities of the Intel community, law enforcement, DOD, and all our partners to go after this threat like they've never gone after them. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about as energy of the best and brightest with the most powerful authorities to go after these violent, nasty terrorists that are destroying our country. And this, we're not, gonna, we're not talking about bombing, you know, Mexico, right? They're important partners. We love Mexican, uh, uh, you know, people that come here legally. And But we're not, what we need to do is attack the production of these poisonous chemicals and the money flows back to the cartels because we have to take away the money.
1: Didn't, wasn't that kind of the, was, what was, the, was that the approach that they used in Colombia uh, to go after those cartels?
6: Great question, George. You obviously know your topic. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, back in the day when the FARC, and the AUC in Colombia were basically just these organizations with a certain ideology, when people suggested they were terrorist organizations or drug trafficking, no one wanted to hear it. And then eventually they did declare the FARC and the AUC terrorists. and there started to be a much more uh, focused uh, you know, operational game plan against them. We started making significant progress. We indicted all of them, we took them out. And yeah, I mean, look, they're still doing things. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we didn't solve everything. Thing, but it's a very important thing. If you if you designate an organization as a terrorist group, you're going to put the best and brightest and the authorities to go after it. So, yes, you're exactly right, and we're long overdue. I mean, we're, we're constantly playing catch-up on all these issues. It's like now in the opioid crisis, we're now shutting down Big Pharma. It's 20 years too late. Big Pharma, yeah, they were wrong, and they're still wrong, and I don't have a problem going after them, but... Right now, the cartels are killing at alarming rates, and we need to focus on them.
1: Derek, thank you very, very much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, anything you'd like to say in the closing part for, to our audience?
6: Yeah, I mean, as a New Yorker, I'd like to get one of those cowboy hats from, from George in San Antonio. We'll get you one. Yeah. You look good, man. <laughs> thank you very much. Right, take care, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> thank you.
1: Okay. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate your support. Uh, we encourage your support. Tell your friends about us. Uh, spread the, uh, the show around. Uh, tell people to, uh, to tune in. Uh, we're on iHeartRadio as well as we're on the Internet, so please join us. Let me conclude our comments today by, by asking this rhetorical question that I love to ask everyone. Is What is the point, my friends? What is the point of being a lawful legal citizen as well as a lawful legal resident immigrant if illegal aliens are going to get the same privileges, rights, and benefits? In fact, in some cases, even more. If they're going to get the same or more rights, privileges, and benefits than somebody who's here lawfully and legally, Someone who is a citizen. What's the point? Democrats and liberals love to undermine law and order. They want chaos, my friends. That's what they want. And that's what's happening. This whole situation with crime, with decriminalizing everything from marijuana to, to uh, other drugs to the uh, uh, state of California is decriminalizing tickets. For low-income people, I mean, they make exceptions to every law. I love to hear them make the comment. I love Democrats when they make the comment that no one is above the law, yet they stratify everything. They make exceptions to everything, particularly when it benefits them politically. My friends, illegal immigration is illegal. I am not sure what part of the word illegal some people don't understand. But illegal immigration is illegal. We cannot reward it. We cannot excuse it. And we certainly must not justify it. Lots of people, lots of people are at our borders right now suffering in Mexico. But my friends, who in the world is not suffering? Who in the third world is not suffering? It's time to look at America first. It's time to take care of our own first. It's time to integrate the millions of aliens that have arrived. It's time to integrate them and make them Americans. We cannot, my friends, we cannot continue this whole situation of taking in anybody and everybody and then supporting them with our tax money. We can't. We need talented people. We need resourceful people. We need people who are going to be self-sufficient. I can't stated it any any better than that so once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you from san antonio gracias por estar con nosotros <laughs> and join us next week once again george rodriguez el conservador and klup 9 30 a.m radio the answer